Welcome back, folks. This is Mark Steiner. Good to have you with us here on the Mark Steiner Show. We are having a continuing our conversation looking at this mandatory minimum um, bill that is being battled in the city council. Uh, and there was a raucous meeting last night of the city council committee chaired by Mr. Costello. That's correct. Right? And that voice you just heard here is Councilman John Bullock from the 9th District. We have been joining us today for a little bit here, and he's here in the studio. Good to see you, John. Good to see you as well. 410-319-8888 is the number. Write to us here at talkstandershow.org. Give you your thoughts about this uh, mandatory minimum, where it is. Um, there are people who have complained about this meeting. We had a uh, – let's start this way. We had a couple of things coming up. We had on our Facebook page, uh, Mark McLaren uh, wrote – I have tried my damnedest, but I cannot hold my peace. I was generally embarrassed by how poorly this hearing was, from the near riot to the bizarre voting session before the com- before public comment. From the one side of filibuster allowed by the chairman, by members of the city's Annapolis delegation, apparently in random Annapolis politicians, or accorded the courtesy of unlimited speaking time, while the council restricts its own members to two questions of cabinet heads. Which do you find more likely to be availing of needed information for the committee? Extensive questioning of a police commissioner or a 10-minute speech by Kurt Anderson? From the front-loading of VIP supporters of legislation to the blatant disrespect and lack of collegial courtesy shown to the vice chairwoman of the committee, who, after all, has been a councilwoman before the chairman was even born, this was disgraceful. I've worked in legislative bodies from D.C., Council and Congress, Albany, Lansing, Annapolis, and Richmond, and this generally capital, the worst bill hearing I've ever witnessed, regardless of how you feel about this legislation, Baltimore deserves better. Not going to argue uh, a lot with what uh, Mark had to say. Um, he was there for most of the day as I was. I mean, the, the hearing started at uh, 10 o'clock and we went past 4.30. Um, I know there were a lot of people who were frustrated, people who had signed up um, hours in advance who came early and didn't get to go into the afternoon. Um, so I know a lot of people who take issue with it. I was actually just talking to uh, Ian Schlackman, who was another person who was there um, and didn't get a chance to sign up or signed up, but didn't get a chance to speak before uh, he had to leave. So, so what do you think about all that? I mean, it's, I mean, about how this is being run. And it, I mean, look, I know you're one of the undecideds and you're still undecided. Uh, one of the other council people and I were speaking this morning. Um, and this is, what, this is what Councilman Bill Henry had, s- had said to me as we were texting back and forth this morning. Uh, he wrote, I had a long meeting last night with my council advisory commission, a group of neighborhood leaders from across my district. Their consensus was pretty similar to what my gut was already telling me. At this point, the burden is on the proponents to provide compelling data that this bill would actually accomplish its s- stated intent, which they haven't yet. Without data, I'm a no. Sounds like sounds like Bill Henry, and I think part of the, the, the issue is that we have to be circumspect with this. You know, I've heard uh, from a no, number of people in my district, both for and, and that was really in the spirit that I offered the amendments uh, that I offered. But as far as the way the hearing was run, I, I do believe we have to uh, keep democracy at the forefront. And so that really means hearing from the people. I know there were, there were some clear challenges there, and we have to really do this in a fair way. And the appearance or, or the reality that it didn't come off in a fair way troubled a lot of people, and that's what resulted. In, uh, in the disturbance that we had. Now, we also had people who were in the audience who were shouting out, and, and that was problematic at times. Um, but again, we do have to show each other courtesy as colleagues, and it's also important, more important to show uh, courtesy to the people who took off from work. I, someone made an excellent point, and I agree with it. It was a, one of, the, one of the, um, uh, the speakers who testified, saying that, look, you know, we as council folks and people in government, we are paid to do a job, and we're there. These people take off of work um, for whatever time they have to, to, to come to a hearing, and they should be heard. So where are you with all this now? I mean, I'm, I'm curious. I mean, cause, I, mean, there, I mean, you know, we talked about this in the air together a little bit ago. Um, there doesn't seem to be any 
data from any studies that most people have studied and looked at that say these kind of things have any effect on the crime rate at all. It feels like to many of us that this is just um, trying to create a law because they don't know what else to do. So they say, okay, well, just, you know, if you're caught with something, we'll put you away. But there are already state laws that cover that. We don't even need these laws to be passed in Baltimore City. The state law exists, except for this $1,000 fine on top of it. And what does that do to somebody who has no money to start with? I mean, so what, what are we doing here? You know, I'm not, I'm not going to um, argue with you um, because I'm, I'm not arguing. No, 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 no. no. I, I, what, I'm saying is that, what I'm saying is that I, I, tend, to, I tend to agree with you. Um, here's here's my, my perspective on it. And looking at it, you know, I saw a lot, heard a lot of arguments about what happens to a first-time uh, offender. What happens to someone who is carrying a, a weapon who just is looking, who just trying to protect themselves, right? So I hear all the, those arguments. At the same time, we recognize there's an issue of violence. So, so when I offer those amendments, those were those were the key ones. And essentially, people make the argument that it does align uh, with state law. Now, it will be up to the administration, up to the council president, to decide what they want to do with the bill. But in following, as as uh, Councilman Henry said, following my gut, you know, and, and also thinking about the issue and hearing from people, that's why the bill looks like it does now with those amendments. So, so, so what do you think that, but with that, if it's already law, then. I mean, with all due respect, you know, I have a huge amount of respect for you, John Bullock. I always have from the moment you were just when you were still a professor at Towson and coming to the show to talk about issues and transportation and the future of the city. But, but um, my question is, what good does the bill do if what the bill is, is bill is just reiterating what a state law is? I don't understand why we're even why we're even in this discussion about this law at this moment. Mm-hmm. Let me put it put it from, from this perspective. So. My role as a, as a legislator's point is to do what I can as a member of, of that committee to get where we need to be, right? And the bill looks like what it, what it, what it looks like now. Your, your point is well taken. looks very similar to the state. Right. So now it's not my bill. I'm not a co-sponsor of the bill. So it's a bill <laughs> from the administration introduced by the council president. They can decide what they want to do with, with, with that bill. Do you have a sense of where you're going to go on this? You're not, you haven't made up your mind yet. At, at this point, again, I offer those amendments, and I did say this. You know, at, in the in the previous form, I could not support it. Given what it looks like now, it looks like something that could get some support. But again, we have to continue to debate this and have conversation around this. So, where does it go from here? Well, then it'll be there'll be a hearing. Um, there'll be at a council meeting, August fourteenth. So, it'll be debated by the full council, and they could be voted on then. Indeed. So, so let's have also tweeting here. Let me read this tweet that just came in, and you all can join us here, 410-319-8888, as we talk with uh, our good friend John Bullock, um, one of the uh, new inspiring council people that have been elected in this last election. Uh, Keisha, media watchdog uh, at Be More Projects, uh, tweeted in at Mark Steiner, can we discuss how unprepared the committee, oh, same thing, but let me read it, though. Can we discuss how unprepared the committee chair was? Verbal 11th hour amendments, question mark, Violence and assault charges? Question mark. It was a free for all. Well, you know, I'll, I'll try to be respectful of my colleague. There were some challenges with the way the hearing was run. There was one um, misunderstanding that happened as far as um, the amendments. Those were those were not actually verbal. I know there was a point where um, you know uh, Councilwoman Clark was trying to understand what the text of the uh, of the amendment was, but this was something that had been that had been drafted that, that introduced and was on the members' desks. Some folks had not actually uh, gotten a chance to read it. Now there were some additional verbal amendments that also came because there are people who had concerns, right? So one of the things Councilwoman uh, Clark that was um, and this was actually a written amendment, but it wound up getting voted down was to actually have it a sunset um, after after two years, right? Because again, you know, a what, sunset. What does that mean? Mean that it would it would end. 
So, so essentially, the, 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 the law would only exist for two years, upon which then you could actually look at it, analyze the data, see if this actually had an impact and all that. There were several of us who voted for it, but it actually, but that, was, that amendment uh, died. So who is on the committee? So on, on, on that committee, you have chairing is uh, Eric Costello. You have um, uh, Ed Reisinger, uh, Sharon Green-Middleton, uh, Leon Pinkett, uh, Mary Pat Clark, Brandon Scott, and myself. So you, Mary Pat, and Brandon were the only ones who either were against this bill from the beginning or were not sure where, where you want, or were trying to weigh what the issues were. The other members of that committee were... We're pretty much on board with the mayor and president city council. The, the, I'll say is the rest of the members of the committee were actually co-sponsors of of the legislation. Right, and I will mm-hmm. say that also uh, Councilman Pinkett did uh, also support the amendment. Uh, oh, actually, the amendment that I uh, that I introduced was unanimously accepted, and then also um, supported. So, you know, I was thinking about this before we move on, and I really appreciate you taking your time. Sure. I know you had a busy day, and you <laughs> last minute you said, "Yeah, I mean, I'll, come, I'll come in to talk for this room." Just I, for I you, man. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. As as our show winds down here in WEAA, it's important to have folks like you on it. It means a great deal. And by the way, Zeke Cohen's going to join us tomorrow as part of a small roundtable in the air uh, at eleven o'clock, ten o'clock. We will, we'll not tell you in a minute, but Zeke's going to join us tomorrow. Um, so, I mean, we, we in an earlier segment, um, one of the things that uh, Fanon Hill, who does incredible work with Navashadea, his mm-hmm. wife and partner, uh, in Cherry Hill, and I asked the question, if a young man is caught with a gun, a young woman is mm-hmm. caught with a gun, uh, and we don't arrest them, uh, we don't put them away, and we took them to you, what would you do? Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 one of the phenomena, he said, "Well, that has happened. It happens in Cherry Hill all the time." And there's a young man who was carrying a gun, was part of the the, the life, and we he, I, we talked, took the gun away, we sat down, and we in what, where he is now. He's now 22 years old, married, living in the county, and is an HVAC repairman, living a life with his with his young child and his and his lady. Mm-hmm. So, so so I say that to say. Can't we start thinking of how to deal with this with our young people without always resorting to incarceration and giving them records? Cer- certainly, uh, I, I totally and agree. I, I don't look. I do not. I am not minimizing the no, no, fear and I, danger of people carrying guns. I, I get at it, all. I get exactly what you're saying because I don't minimize it as well. But here, but here's the issue, and I agree with a lot of my colleagues who talk about investing on, on that front end. Now, yes, there are programs like Safe Streets and others that are violence interrupters, but then we have to have those comprehensive solutions. And as I've said even yesterday, this bill is not a comprehensive solution. It's not addressing some of those root causes. We're looking at education, we're looking at wages, we're looking at recreation, and all types of investments that we need. Housing, all those things are, are important. And if we're not investing on the front end, on the back end, we're only just you know tra- treating the symptoms and not the real cause. What, let me ask this, your learned opinion here since mm-hmm. you're done. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so where do you think this is gonna go? I mean, it, it looks like the vote's still very tight. I mean, mm-hmm. the way I counted it up, yes and no, and not sure. The, the 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 it could be like almost seven to six no at this point, and mm-hmm. and I'm, I hate playing numbers in politics, mm-hmm. but I'm just dealing with where this bill is and where do you think it is, and I know you you don't want to play your hand just yet because you're still weighing it, but where do you think this is going to go? I, I think it's going to be very slim. Uh, it's going to be a slim margin, either yes or no. It's going to be it's going to be slim one way or the other. It's going to be very very slim. Now I think the the more important piece about what happens because you could argue what the bill does and, and what it doesn't do. I think the best thing that came out of this is really this dialogue um, because now you have this conversation. Which dialogue? No, the dialogue about what do we do? What do we do about the issue of crime and violence? And clearly we're not all the way there. But also the dialogue in terms of 
how people access City Hall. How are hearings uh, run? How does how do people access democracy? How are people getting their voices heard? And then just this really rich debate. I look at Baltimore City voters, look at all these other places where people are interacting and talking more than they have in, in, in recent years and talking in a very serious fashion. And and people don't always agree. You know, people can be rational. They could they could, uh, you know, be well intentioned. They could be uh, they could have experience. But again, folks don't agree. And I think it's, it's healthy for us to have these conversations. So let me bring in a couple of callers in here and a couple of tweets. And if we can uh, bring some other folks in the studio who have something else to talk about as well in terms of their relationship mm-hmm. with the city. A little mixed signals about who's coming in today, but we'll try to get everybody on here. So um, uh, at Melissa Schrober, Melissa writes in, tweeted in at Mark Steiner, data on parental incarceration is clear. Imprisoning more people does not bring back those killed. Instead, it spreads harm. Um, and Dr. Amina tweets in uh, at Woman, Woman is Psych. Um, she tweeted in, can you ask about constitutionality of identified sides of violation sites of violation i think i know what she's talking about uh, so i'll, I'll touch the first one first so incarcerated parents that, that that's a that's a challenging issue i mean i grew up with people who had parents who were incarcerated and it was very interesting seeing that cycle repeat itself even in their lives i mean that that's a, that's a clear issue now again we're talking about you know issues of violent crime. And that's one I made, one of the amendments was so important because, again, if someone is actually committing a crime of violence with a gun, that's something something different. But as, uh, about those pre-identified sites, you know, uh, my colleague, uh, uh, Council Member Scott, you know, brought up an interesting point. So he, he asked uh, the commissioner about well, do you have them? Uh, do you know where these places are? Right? Have you, you know, these talk, places being the, the place? So, so, so part of the bill talks about close to churches, you know, parks, schools, like and uh, he mentioned that we have a map that identifies where we think these oh, places are. Uh-huh, and uh-huh, so, uh-huh. And, and I think that's sort of the question about the, the constitutionality of it. I'm not certain if it winds up being a constitutional question, but it does speak to potentially speak to uh, uh, geographical disparities. Because one of the things that was mentioned is about, you know, the, 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 um, the sheer number of those sites in certain parts of the city versus other parts of the city and what that looks like and how that winds up being enforced and are there already pre-designated sites that you're looking to enforce this. So let me get a couple calls in here. 410-319-8888. Gene, you're on the air. Uh, yeah, good afternoon, everybody. Good morning. Yeah, my, my question is, is centered around, uh, the you know, the mental uh, health aspect of this. And I don't hear, in, in, you know, in too many conversations, uh, except when Lena Wynn comes on, Dr. Wynn comes on, that we're not that we are, that it's not being approached from a mental health aspect. Meaning, uh, Senate hearings were held last week, uh, and they were talking. And you know, I, I got a new word in my vocabulary: mediglia, and the effect of um, you know behavior, learned behavior, and how that can you know if you can learn something, then you, then you can unlearn it, or mm-hmm. and so forth and so on. So, is that a, an approach that's on your agenda? Is that a, uh, an approach that's part of the solution? Um, I would like to hear your response. Great question. It is a perfect question. Absolutely. So you, you speak of Dr. Wen, and you know I think of her very highly. Actually, um, you know, we have some youth workers in City Hall um, this summer, and so uh, my my staff um, actually got together with um, some with Commissioner Wen, and then had her um, had her come and speak to some of the young people. And one of the things we talked about was was was, uh, was mental health, but also thinking about the the trauma that a lot of our our people, young old, deal with within our communities, right? And how do we deal with that? And so. 
so that has to be part of the equation. And we even talk about, you know, safe streets and talking to some of those uh, uh, people last week and some of the work they do. It was very interesting talking about the effects of living in neighborhoods where folks are dealing with trauma. And think about uh, post-traumatic stress disorder and how are we dealing with that? Because what we're seeing, even with this uptick in violence, you know, some of it, of course, is, you know, you say it's crime or, or drug related, but there are other parts of it, carjacking and all that, but there's, there are other parts of it where it's just people not being able to de-escalate situations or conflict resolution and all that. And so we have to have those community-based strategies to deal with that. I mean, it seems to me that we also need to think, again, think clearly in different ways. And we're going to phones here before we wrap up and let John get back to his day, that, that, that we have to think about, all right, so look, if somebody's hijacking a car and pulls out a gun, that young person or that person, man or woman, boy or girl, has to be dealt with, may have to be separated from us, but they can be separated in a way that keeps them in the community and heals that person to come back whole as opposed to sending them off to jail. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, so maybe that's what we need to invest some money. Restorative in a, in justice. Another, different ways of doing things rather than just incarcerating people. The danger of this bill is we just incarcerate people without thinking about how we bring them back and make them whole because there are too many hurt people in this community. And as many people are saying these days, it's hurt people that hurt people. Absolutely. And I think one of, and one of the challenges, honestly, is that you know, as, as the bill w- was rolled out, there weren't the other pieces. And so, and, and, you know, some of my colleagues made mention of this, that, you know, we need to have comprehensive solutions. And if this is the first piece, it might, might be sort of problematic if we don't have some of these other, you know, uh, elements in place. So let's get another caller in here. Clarence, you're on the air. Welcome. Hey, Mr. Steiner. Good morning. Um, count- Good morning. Good morning, count- Councilman, you were just elected, correct? Yes, sir. Your first term. Um, respectfully, let me warn you, sir. Um, you're skiing down a slippery slope with the mandatory minimum. Um, it could get very ridiculous during your career as a city council person. Um, you can come up with a mandatory minimum for just about anything. Um, not having IDs um, for whatever reason. It could start to get very stupid, in, in my opinion. Just think back of all the things we objected to that Martin O'Malley with his zero tolerance policy um, what if there were mandatory minimums for the litany of things that people were being harassed in, in Baltimore City for? Just, just bear that in mind. Thank you. You know that that point is well is very well taken. Um, you know, I don't believe that. First off, you know, it's not something. Like I said, I'm not not a co-sponsor. Didn't write it. It's not something I would lead uh, with. Um, at the same time, you know, recognize that you know gun violence is a challenge. But historically, mandatory minimums have been have been quite problematic. Um, they're problematic for for judges in terms of having some discretion. We look at especially as of late to nonviolent drug offenders and that hundred to one disparity between crack and powder cocaine. So we know what that that looks like. So do we have we do have to be be, be very judicious as we look at this. So that, that point is very well taken. So you're not prepared to cast your vote yet here on the Mark Steiner Show, are you? Not, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Councilman John Bullock, 9th District, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Great to be here. And uh, I appreciate you, uh, your thoughtfulness and all this. Uh, and let's keep our people safe and out of jail. Absolutely. Good to have you here. Good to be here. Taking a short break and come back. Uh, we'll be joined by Annie Chambers, who's going to come in and talk about their battle for democracy in our housing projects. Stay with us.